Welcome to Come Draw From The Well. My name is Victoria Fisher, and today I am joined by Cynthia Hoffman-Cole, owner, founder, critical care clinician extraordinaire at the Well of Life Center. And today we're going to have a discussion, a dialogue about diets and fads and lifestyles. Like, what's the truth, what's not truth. So um, we're just going to be talking, figuring out what we've seen for clients, Mm -hmm. what has worked for clients. and just how we've come to those conclusions. So hopefully you'll find some good information from this and we'll get to have a good discussion. Yeah. So what is your, kind of your definition of a diet versus lifestyle, would you say? So, so I've been doing this for 17 years now, right? I mean, professionally. Mm-hmm. And I have been in the healthcare industry or, or or invested in lifestyle versus, you know, diet, fads, healthcare type things, whether it's medically derived or whether it's holistically derived my entire life. You know, it's all it all it's always been kind of incorporated in the very essence of my being, right? So I've come to the clearer understanding of what is considered lifestyle and what is considered diet. When you look at historically the cycles of how diets show up mm. right so okay. so diets start when someone gets a creative idea of how best to fuel the human host mm. and with the intention of affecting something weight loss metabolism uh energy performance performance athletically Mm -hmm. you know whatever right so we know that there always has to be a motivation behind a diet okay most diets are formulated from personal experiences and so they use their own personal experiences (laughs) as as a template Mm -hmm. and they say within that template okay if you do these things in this order and implement it over this amount of time, you're going to get this result because they themselves have received the benefits of it. Okay. Now, the problems with diets is that if you can get a network of people who are operating kind of from that same vein, yeah. you'll always get the results. And therefore, it, it makes it look like the diet works. Right. But it can only work temporarily or get the results that they're they're desiring in for short term, mm-hmm. but it can't be life sustaining. That's where lifestyle has to come. Ah, in. that that's the key word there. That's life sustaining. Life sustaining. Yeah. That's the difference, right. right? So diets are designed with a purpose in mind. Okay. But they're not designed to be able to be sustaining because they take away the the willful right of each individual's lifestyle, their personal preferences, the mm-hmm. things that make up their stresses of days in and day out influences, those types of things. Which so, will always change because we always have some type of stress or there's new levels, new things that we're sure, experiencing. Sure. So then also it's temporary, it's transient. It's not something that should be Yeah. It can't be concrete. Thing, okay. Right. Now you right. can have guidelines, yeah. which I think are really important. What are the things that metabolically are important to keep the human host optimal based Mm -hmm. on the way God designed each one of us, the importance of proteins, amino acids, minerals, hydration, 
essential fatty acids. Yeah. Like, so those principles need to be applied in a way that is honoring to each individual person. Mm -hmm. But you can't put everyone under the same umbrella right. and expect them to personally succeed because we're, we're unique. We're bio-individuals, right? We're, we're, bio right? Yeah. we're unique beings mm -hmm. created by a creator that sets each one of us uniquely apart. Yeah. And then you factor in genetics, you factor mm -hmm. in nationalities, you factor yeah. in regions of origin, yeah. you factor in um, elements of, of, of change, meaning what's happening. Is it spring, summer, winter, fall? Yeah. Um, Gender? Gender, age, like oh, you yeah. factor yeah. age. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. I mean, we, you just finished your 40th year. Yes, you just finished your 60th. I just finished my 60th. There we go. So yeah. there we go. I could be your mother. <laughs> um, yes. But the, the truth is, is that where I was at at 40 is very different principally than where I'm at at 60, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. But foundationally, meaning the things that keep my body optimal mm -hmm. are still exactly the same. Yeah. So what we've been finding with our clients is that there's kind of like a, a baseline diet or lifestyle that is sustaining, that is concrete, that promotes optimal health, wellness, and vitality. Sure. Based, though, on all of those factors that you said, environment, um, stressors, lifestyle, yeah. seasonal, regional, all of that, we may have to make some variations, add some things, take some things away, but those foundational key nutrient foods are always there. Always. Right. Yeah, yeah. and if we're good at doing what we need to be doing seasonally and regionally, mm -hmm. then we're never at a point of deficiency. Now, the, the okay. problem that I think also falls in um, volume, oh. the amount of food yes, that absolutely. people think that they need to consume yeah. in order to be able to optimize a healthy body. Absolutely. And I think historically, we've failed, um, in, in whether it's in the allopathic community or in the holistic community, we have failed to teach portion control. Mm -hmm. We have failed to teach that that we really don't need to be consuming throughout the course of the day. Right. Yeah. Our, our ancestors were lean. They had large quantities of muscle mass versus visceral or, or subcutaneous fat. Right. And they were able to sustain stresses being placed on them and in them. Right. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. They, they may not have lived as long, but they lived better quality of life. Right. Big difference. Yeah. And I've even seen that in the medical community. Just because you live longer does not mean that now we live better. No. Um, and sustaining life almost artificially is not the same as truly feeding the body, sustaining wellness, Correct. sustaining optimal yeah. health and function. Yeah. Um, so I want to touch on one thing that you mentioned with the kind of like eating all day long. Now we have... Mm -hmm. A lot of people who come into our office and say, I have to eat every few hours. Like, I have hypoglycemia. Like, I feel like I need to eat all day long or mm -hmm. these things happen. Mm -hmm. What um, are you seeing or what is that showing mm -hmm. within the body and what is it actually doing to the body? Like, what is that reflecting and what is eating like that all day long kind of creating within the system? Well, I think it, it comes foundationally down to stress mechanisms, mm. right? Because we... Our body doesn't know the difference between perceived threat and actual, actual threat, threat. Right. right? So it doesn't understand that. Yeah. It just knows that it's under some sort of threat, some sort of stress. Mm -hmm. 
And in that state, it produces these hormones that require, that they're looking for balance is really what they're doing. Got it, yeah. And so when the adrenal body, the adrenal gland, which is um, a gland that sits on top of the kidney, mm-hmm. is in a state of distress, it's like throwing pebbles into a pond, right? And so when the, when the adrenal starts putting out these stress signals, because again, it doesn't know, it doesn't know, am I really, is there really a lion in the middle of this room or am I just imagining that there's a lion in the middle of this mm-hmm. room? Either way, it needs to respond to that threat. Yeah. And so it begins putting out these stress signals. Now, when it puts out the stress signals, it's relying on electrolytes, minerals that are recorded in the cell-to-cell dialogue. Mm-hmm to calm it down, to create that sense of, um, it's okay. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like the, it's the mom coming up and, and stroking soothing, the child, soothing yeah. and stroking the child. It's okay. Yeah. You don't have to worry. Right. Now, when it sends out that stress mechanism or that sends out that, that 911 call and it's looking for those electrolytes, the kidneys get this false signaling through its reverberation because mm-hmm. they're sitting right on top of the right. kidney, so by proximity. It's like, you know, it's it starts contracting. It starts, you know, almost like it's pulsating in this mm-hmm. own independent life of its own, and it begins urinating more frequently. Yeah, so people who pee through the night, people who are waking up frequently, it's not your kidneys. It's not. It necessarily, it's not your bladder. It's not, I'll have an overactive bladder, or for men, my prostate's enlarged. It could be this adrenal dysregulation. Correct. That's having a downward effect onto the yeah, kidneys. downward and, causation. Yeah. And then they end up peeing out their electrolytes. Mm, and so yeah. we're constantly in a state of electrolyte deficiency, mineral deficiency. Right. And then the body uses an all-day-long dialogue in its adrenal state. During the day, our adrenals operate us, right? It's our yeah. fight-and-flight mechanism. That sympathetic nervous right. system. Right. And when we go to bed at night, our thyroid is supposed to take over. But if the adrenal is holding itself hostage because it thinks it's under the, whether you're sleeping or not, right? Because they're mm-hmm. not sleeping well, they're getting inconsistency and in, in recovery. Thyroid isn't getting its proper baton being handed off to drive into a deep parasympathetic, melo, you know, um, um, like melatonin and serotonin right. and all of all those, those things that need to be, thank you very much, yeah. those neurotransmitters that need to be activated. Right. What ends up happening is the adrenal, continued to bearing the weight, drives that kidney into a state of exhaustion. Mineral deficiency is out because it's constantly flushing. Mm-hmm. And we're back to that, you know, vicious cycle yeah. of, of stress and then recovery and stress and recovery. Right. And eventually you can't. You can't recover. Right. And so you begin struggling with the, the symptomatology or the advanced um, presentation of a body that is sympathetically charged and now cannot go into parasympathetic healing and we get a diseased pathology. Yeah. So what that actually can look like is some people have that kind of reactive, reactive hypoglycemia. So like they have to eat to keep that mineral electrolyte dialogue going. It's a lie. So, right. Because yeah. they, they, it's not sustaining. Right. They're eating every two hours, but mm-hmm. they're really only eating the addiction that the kid that the adrenal is needing, but they're right. not solving the problem. Right. So then we do that prolonged. Eventually we can become stressed to a point where now we have this 
um, sympathetic dominance, we have cortisol overload, we have insulin resistance, which ultimately brings us into the symptomatology of diabetes or metabolic syndrome yeah. or yeah. somewhere along those lines. Sure, heart disease, you know, high cholesterol, yeah. cardiovascular issues, right? right? So, yeah. Um, and the metabolic syndrome is one of the most under-discussed and under-diagnosed problems of our day. Yeah, a lot of, because a lot of people will present with that long before they're diabetic. Absolutely. Long before they have cardiovascular disease, they have these signals that the body mm -hmm. is metabolically out of balance, that sure. there's stress. That, so it could be, like you said, the waking up frequently, having to urinate, um, the cortisol belly, like that kind of spare tire. And they don't even have to, they don't even have to be heavy to make that happen. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, right? a, that's a, so, a, mis, a common misconception that a lot totally. of people think that, um, that they have to be overweight in order to have metabolic disease or to have, um, uh, like blood sugar dysregulation or sure. things like that, or that it, they have to eat sugar to have blood sugar dysregulation, but right. you don't, and, yeah. or you are eating it in hidden sources. Like you're drinking wine to go to bed to help you fall asleep because you calm you down. Yeah. Takes away that because I've had a stressful life. I need a glass of yeah, wine. Exactly. Or, um, you're eating lots of bread and pasta or those yeah. quick fuel carbs that are sh like sh shooting into your bloodstream, all of this influx of glucose, but there's nothing behind it. There's yeah. not that fire burning to sustain yeah. it. And we're not, those people who are eating every two hours are not eating a protein, a fat and a, you know, a good carbohydrate. Like right. they're not, they're not eating that balance to fuel them every two hours, right? So, they're yeah, they're so, having the coffee, right. they're having oh. the, the, the yeah. muffin, <laughs> you know, they're having the bagel first thing yeah, in the morning yeah. when they get up, you yeah. know, because they're starving. When they get up, they're starving. Yeah, so they need something. They need something. Yeah. And so if, if we're actually properly balanced, we should not get up in the morning and be starving. Right. If we are really metabolically sound, we should be able to fast beyond our wake-up time. Mm -hmm. And fasting doesn't mean... Okay, I'm now I'm gonna have a cup of coffee. Yes, because coffee, for those of you who don't know, coffee will have the same cortisol response and the mm -hmm. same insulin response as sugar, refined sugar and carbohydrates do. Yeah. So you're sending the same exact messages yeah. even though you're not consuming Eating. food. Yeah. Yeah, you're sending that but same But they're saying, well, thing. coffee's made with water. Yeah. We get that argument. <laughs> yeah, Tea's so made like... with water. Like we get the, you know, yeah, for 17 absolutely. years I've been hearing the same argument. I'm like, wow, can we find a different script? Yeah, but we can't find a different script because it's still the fad. It's still the lie the that fad, is perpetuated. Okay. Yeah, That's absolutely. the difference between like a diet and a fad, yeah. right? Is yeah. this, what are some of the fads that have withstood the test of time? Mm -hmm. Anything liquid is considered water. That's actually medical as well. So that's not just fad. Yeah. That is so um, as a former nurse, when we were doing your eyes and nose, your intake and output, you would monitor your patient's fluid intake. Yeah. No matter what it was, no matter. you would record whatever fluid went into their body. So whether it was ingestion or IV fluids, and then you would record their urinary output. Um, so they did not care what that liquid was. No. So we did. We were told to register the coffee that you drank, the tea that you drank, the soda that you had, the juice that you had, all of which are diuretics, by the way. So right. you're actually losing water by drinking right. those. So medically, that's actually well. And you know, it's interesting water. because that shift happened in in the allopathic community. That shift happened when people were doing long stays in hospital. The residency, the which residency. is a whole topic right? to get on. Yeah, when, absolutely. Because when that shift happened, then they started, because there used to be, when people, when, when women, and I'm going to go back to the 19, you know, 
30s, 40s, even early 50s, when they would go in to have children. Which wasn't very often because people were still having a lot of home births, midwives, that kind of thing. Exactly. So hospital stays were kind of unique and kind of carved out as being um, special events. Got it, yeah. Right? So that was back 30s, 40s, 50s, right? That was a special event. Mm -hmm. And when they stayed... They didn't have cafeterias like they have today, yeah, right? People would bring in food. People would home. bring in food. Yeah. And and there were there were local communities that provided foods for the people who were staying there. So right. they were normally home cooked meals mm-hmm. and they weren't accessible throughout the course of the day. Right. Well, they, like maybe twice a day. Twice maybe. a day. Yeah. They might brought bring them breakfast and they'd bring them an early dinner. Yeah. But they didn't bring them three meals per day. Mm-hmm. They did not bring them snacks. Right. And when and if they had coffee, it was normally only with the meal. And it wasn't 16, 20, 24 ounces. It was of not. It was in a coffee cup. Like a you six know, to sweet eight little. Ounce yes. And yeah. and it was like those little teacups that you see, you know, on shows that were that are dated back then. Even when you watch westerns and they're drinking coffee by the fireside. You know, they're drinking yeah, coffees little, that are like four to six ounces yeah. cups. Like, they're not drinking those big, you know, Friends mugs. Right. You know, that yeah. like you saw, like, on the show Friends. <laughs> that yeah. was another thing, a fad that came in. Yeah, the whole coffee shop thing and how now that's when that, that That's when that took off. Chains the, and franchises that exactly. have come from that. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you think about these, these even fads in the medical community, they are indeed fads because mm-hmm. historically they were never intended to be that way. Yeah, and they're not really they, doing the studies on those things either. They're, they're not, not looking at, okay, what is the, the long-term ramification or what is even the short-term ramification on this patient in this setting right. with that. Um, so the, Well, yeah, the additional stress. How does that bring about healing? Right. If their body is consuming food mm-hmm. throughout the course of the day at any given time with any push of the button, pick up the phone, friends coming to visit, food being readily available. Right. If the body is by default going to, hey, I need to digest, it's not healing. It mm-hmm. will always choose by default to go to digestion. It won't. The immune system, 70 to 80% of it being in the gut, we're talking about lifestyle right. versus diet, right? Yeah. So 70 to 80% of the immune system is in the gut. That's not by accident. Yeah. That's with an intention, pur- intentional purpose to say, hey, if the largest amount of, of immune help we have offered to us is in our gut, then shouldn't we be eating to feed that, to support that, right. to, you know, to enrich its function? Mm-hmm. And so if we're eating throughout the course of the day, we're suppressing the immune system, which brings us back to the the heightened, you know, disease pathology that we have in our culture today. Yeah. And also the eating like right before you go to bed or later at night, the right. snacking at night, I have to have something before yeah. I go to sleep. You're taking your the your parasympathetic mode out of that dig- the the conversation. immune conversation. Yeah, you're not absolutely. Healing, you're not restoring, you're going into that digestive mode. Yeah, so you're going to bed and by one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, maybe your body can visit the parasympathetic healing, but by Mm -hmm. that time, the liver's already begun its dumping of whatever toxins it's been holding on to. It's now activating the large intestines to say, hey, we've got a process to get this out first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, the chances of getting an immune support in the middle of the night, slim to none at that point. Slim to none, right? Yeah. And so it, it's a vicious cycle that that has presented itself. So we're what we have found um, 
over the course of time and through experience mm -hmm. is that if we look at the genetics of the human host, we, we can survive on one meal a day that we, and, and I'm talking a large caloric food mm -hmm. uh, meal that is consumed over at least an hour's period of time. Okay. They did not, if we look at historically, they usually had one big meal per day. Which was usually not late at night. It was not mid-afternoon. Mid yeah. And it was, it was a dining experience. They, right. were, they were not eating quickly. It was not fast food. Right. And it was family-oriented. It, yeah. was, it was sitting the body down. It was drawing family in. Even stressful conversations that can happen at the family dinner table. <laughs> Which, right? Anybody Which sit at the family we, dinner table anymore? Right, right. Yeah. But even those could be withstood in the middle of the meal because they weren't operating in stress all the time. Right. Right. So they could have those stressful conversations at the meal. They could talk and have dialogue and conversation could be had at the meal. Right. More difficult to do today, right? Absolutely. So one meal, one hour's period of time, hmm. large caloric intake, usually anywhere from 2,500 to 3,200 calories in that meal. Mm -hmm. And it was sustaining because then they would go into fast through the night and all of that would be used to fuel the body, to restore the systems, mm -hmm. to get the body to where it was self-healing and self-regulating. Right. And then they would get up with the sun in the summertime. Same thing in the fall. The uh, work hours would be a little bit different because of the time right. changes. Yeah. Um, and then they might break their fast, um, but they weren't, would not consume a break fast. So right. like they wouldn't have like a huge meal they or something. It would be just something to kind of stoke the fires Correct. metabolically to kind of get the, yep. the, 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 the fire burning, get things turning. Kindle. So that the, yeah, so they not could, a log. Right. Okay. The log was the, the big midday meal. Correct. Right. So with that in mind, do you like I'm just wondering, okay, I know there's there's actually a fad now of people doing the one meal a day. Um, that that's the thing to kind of do from a fitness standpoint, from a blood sugar standpoint, that kind of thing. Is that in today's culture and lifestyle actually sustainable? Where it was no. maybe a hundred years ago. It's more but... you'd have to be you'd have to have an optimal body to sustain that. Okay. And now so you can't jump into that to no. become optimal. You no. have to actually become more, optimal yes, and then do and that. And then do that. Okay. Now I've got a handful of clients that do do that and have done that successfully. We've navigated them to that, and okay. they've su they've successfully done it. Kept the lean body, muscle mass is intact. Um, they're aging really well. Their disease pathology is no longer something we're entertaining because the body is restoring itself. Mm -hmm. All of those things are positive um, results from that. But most clients, we make that transition to three meals per day, five to seven hours in between. Right. And a 12-hour fast. Yeah. And I've seen, night. I think I've seen the best results in terms of just because of, again, lifestyle, environmental, mm -hmm. emotional um, stressors that clients tend to respond best to that. They do. Um, so, so, but the amount that, that's yeah. in each meal oh, yeah. is also so much less yeah. than what they're historically desiring to yeah, eat, right? Absolutely. So when I say, you know, your meat should be the palm of your hand, the thickness of your hand, mm -hmm. and they kind of, they go, no, you mean the hand. I go, no, the palm. The palm. Thank God I have big hands. <laughs> yeah. And she's been saying that since day one, yeah. mind you. 
Um, but but yes, but but understand that we've done metabolic balance together, yeah. right? We've yeah. done it, and we both have sent in our our information. We got our our weight per recommendation based on the metabolic model mm-hmm. and grams per protein. You do are asked because of your height, because of your genetics, mm-hmm. you are asked to consume more grams per meal than I am. Yeah, absolutely. My right? met- our metabolic demands are in fact different. Right. There is no one size fits no. all there. And what's interesting is that when we measured out, how much of the protein were you asked I to eat? I was very sad. Like very sad. Dinner, my, my dinner portion is 140 grams of protein, which equates to about for just under five gram, five ounces uncooked. Right. Which is actually a decent size portion. Right. Um, about the size of your palm? Yes, it is about the size of my palm. I know. And that's why I was like, yeah, I had And she's like, I used to yeah. love that idea. Now I'm no. like, now there's the reality. Because yeah. we didn't ever even really follow that reality, no, and, did we? No, and that's what I found actually. So me coming on board initially as a client in my health journey, yeah. I ate well, but I ate a lot. Like, you well, can you, overdo. You, you were an athlete. Yeah, I was so, so was operative. <laughs> right, but I'm saying you yeah. had that mentality. Exactly. And you carried that mentality post-child, post, yeah, you know, that nursing college, school. Athletic, like post, all of that, yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah. so you carried that mentality and you brought that into what you thought was your wellness plan, right? Right. And and we I had to come in with the bad news to go, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. But that, it that just goes, it though. does, but it yeah. goes to show that, yeah, you can be eating the right foods, but portion control does matter. Yeah, so does. we're not saying you have to weigh out every single thing and every, and count calories. Yeah, because we're that. not talking, we're not talking like Weight, like weight or Watchers anything. Yeah. or anything like that. I'm not talking about weighing it in that, in yeah. that fashion. When the Metabolic Balance Program, when we found the Metabolic Balance Program and it spoke to the heart of the well, when it spoke to what our our intention was in the life of our clients, mm-hmm. it was a huge gift Yeah, absolutely. because so many of our clients, we were writing at the, you know, we've come a long Menus way, right? And meal plans we were and writing meal plans and, yeah. and we were, you know, recipes and cooking classes and all of those things were such blessings right. in the beginning part of our journey. Mm-hmm. But what has been so wonderful is we spent a lot of time writing these meal plans. Well, when we found a company that allowed us to speak not only to lifestyle, but also to to proper metabolic dieting Mm -hmm. without fat. Because mind you, they're getting a lot of pushback because there's a lot of people who are coming in with fake models to their their algorithms that has historically been successful in Germany because that's where they originate. Mm. Hospitals in Germany use their model in developing plans for their patients. Right. That's how they keep their patients out of the hospital. Right. If only we incorporated something like that lifestyle-wise in the American... You know, and so system. when we mm-hmm. found it and we and we looked at the evidence of their success, mm-hmm. you know, I can remember we had this, like, you know, heavens parted, God shone a light down, yeah. and we both all went, yeah. right, you know? Yeah. It was like we'd been waiting for that. Yeah. And God had already had it in play. It was already in Europe. Right. And then when they made the transition to come to the United States is when we got on board. Yeah. And it's been it's been a game changer in the life of our clients Absolutely. who follow it. Those who follow it. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. So 
we touched on metabolic balance, but let I just want to touch on a few other things like sure. the whole fad of fad. I mean, like keto, mm. paleo, mm. whole food, plant based. Mm. Um, well, and a yeah. lot of the people who are doing the one meal per day are doing are the doing whole the whole yeah. whole, whole plant based thing. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's an unfortunate thing. But again, there's, we have to remember what the agenda is, right? There's always an agenda behind every fad or every dietary recommendation, Mm -hmm. as we talked about earlier in the show. Um, And there is this push to get us away from the consumption of meat. Yes. Now it's infiltrated into politics and government and it's not just it the, the save the animals thing and yeah now that. it's to save the environment right as if god had no clue what he was doing when he invented cows that fart <laughs> right what was, he he thinking? what was he thinking well, what was he, he thinking know? i mean what was he thinking when he invented the sun that was going to put can, you know cancer on people like do you know what i mean like mm. we choose to operate from a very different model praise god that we right. do absolutely and we don't get caught up in all of that yeah um but the unfortunate thing with these diets is that it doesn't consider really, again, just because you get really great results in some models of the human host under the ketogenic diet, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that all human hosts should be, you know, all in all those in human form should be consuming a ketogenic diet, right? right? Now, the history with keto is it is a medically based model that was used to treat type 1 diabetes before the discovery of insulin and before understanding what was going on. So when we take it and and put it into that model, it could work possibly very well. The studies that show success for keto are studied in men, not women, who have menstrual cycles and who have cyclical hormones and have vastly different bodies Totally. Yeah, and I am not a fan of the ketogenic diet in the life of the woman unless she is carefully monitored mm-hmm. and it is done in the winter time. Huh. A keto- that, that, okay, yeah. Right? Yeah, a ketogenic, and that's the sense. only time I will allow a female client of mine to go into a ketogenic state is in the winter time. Yeah. So the reasoning because with again, that, though, yeah. is what's what's available seasonally. Correct. Seasonally, we have We should protein. not be consuming yeah. salads. Salads. And berries. And berries in the middle of the winter. Right. But we can, right? So just because we can doesn't mean that we we should. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But but the only time that it is good for a woman, and again, historically, Mm -hmm. all human form were in states of ketogenic presentation. Naturally natural ketosis, right. Natural ketosis in the wintertime. Right. And then when green life started coming back into you know the 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 fields and in the Mm -hmm. woods and and we began yielding from that crop is when we would break the ketogenic state and we would bring the body back to proper metabolic form yeah and start replenishing those those micronutrients those minerals and electrolytes that yeah maybe not be they may not be there in the full state of their capacity within the ketogenic diet so and a lot of people in the cancer symptomatology will, boot, will do now micro and macro diets, you yeah. know, because what they're trying to do is put their bodies into these false states of ketosis, of or, ketosis yeah. to okay. try to go after, again, the cancer symptomatology, mm-hmm. right? The presentation. Now, is that, so again, I have, I can speak to some clients that I have who medically are actually being guided, guided. because sure. of 
the so and when we talk about cancer symptomatology the metabolic demand is very different from yeah. somebody who's not in that state that's correct so that may be something that would be helpful for that person that bio individual correct in that time yeah so and you know one of the things that we found is that um you'll know with it within the first week whether or not it's beneficial mm -hmm. It's normally within that first week. How do they respond when you begin to remove nutrient, you know, demand yeah. and replace it with something else? Yeah. And if they're if they do not have the optimal presentation during that first week, then what what we're looking for, mm -hmm. um, we normally know that we they can't like right. and they shouldn't yeah. because it will just be it's going to be a nightmare okay. in recovery. Right, absolutely. You know, and we've noticed that over the course of time. Yeah, you know, there's definitely. no doubt. But I'm not, you know, again, when we go to paleo, again, there's aspects of paleo that are historically great for the human form. Yeah. Right? It's but wonderful. also genetically because there's not, so for instance, a lot of people who are of Asian descent or African descent don't necessarily have great genetics to digest dairy. Correct. So dairy's not in the paleo Well, and it wasn't model. in their, it wasn't in their culture diet either. Right. Goat's milk was. Vastly different, vastly different profiles. More people. like breast yeah. milk, right? right? So goat's milk was in 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 those diets, mm -hmm. but not cows, right? Let's be real, yeah. right? So if we understand our genetics and we understand, mm -hmm. and and I don't really care how far generationally you are at from your original source, mm -hmm. we're all sourced from Adam and Eve. We can talk about that <laughs> another time. Yes, right. Yeah. So we're all Mediterranean. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I believe that to be so, even in my, you know, white Anglo-Saxon, uh, what, Western, Western European, European, yes, you know. And then yeah. we then we did 23andMe and found out that I was, you know, somewhere along, somewhere the, along the, the, the African, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, we're just genetically all over the place, right? Yeah. But we're from one seed and that's his, right? Yeah. So we're all coming from the same source. But there is a there is a demand that happens within the the, the DNA mm -hmm. based on those again appointments of, yeah. of of genetics. Yeah, but then we also we could go on and on about even the epigenetics. So what is our environment telling us? What are our yeah. genes? What are, what what are our stressors telling our genes? What are our emotions telling our genes? Oh, that's a, that <laughs> is that's. Oh, that's coming. That's a oh, whole, that's, that's coming. That's coming. That podcast is coming. That and, and that's yes. my baby, right? Yeah, because that oh, of seventeen years, I have watched, I have watched physical bodies mm -hmm. literally lose the ground that they have won simply because of a trauma, and it and it and it it, it absolutely motivated me and fueled me to see the influence yeah. of the of the emotional uh, profile. Yeah, and again, food is medicine. Yeah, right. Food absolutely. But, but people can't. also use food as medicine mm -hmm. to to kill emotions. They'll say, you know, I, I stress eat. Yeah, looking for a dopamine looking, response. But that's actually now what we're. That's what now I'm the big thing is what foods can push dopamine instead of actually getting to the root source of why exactly. you may be dopamine deficient. Um, we won't get into the whole EMF and technology and all that yet. That's also coming, um, and yeah. how that impacts that. So just one last thing, just because we're, we're running out of time, but I want to, I want to have a quick little chat about the whole vegan vegetarian versus animal protein yeah. and where, what, even just a very small snippet of your experience yeah. of being vegetarian. Yeah, I was. And, and then and I was 85 pounds lying on a couch and dying. Right. 
And the phone call that changed my life was you need to eat fish three times a day. And and I nearly died. <laughs> just because of that. I mean, I was dying, but, but you know, yeah. but just simply On because that was now. the recommendation, right? right? Um, and it was a purposeful appointment, that phone call. And it was mm -hmm. a purposeful appointment because God was teaching me about about like frequencies. He was mm. teaching me about the need for the cell-to-cell -cell dialogue to have to get into frequency with something that puts off the same energetic frequency as us. Which is homeopathy, which, is homeopathy. which has been completely squashed because totally. of allopathic medicine. Totally. And, so. and it was it was the source of healing over in Germany. Again, we're going back to German again. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Right? You know, Hoffman. Um, but... Yes, right? So mm -hmm. if we understand that like frequency, life sustains life, mm. right? And I will say to clients, if you can show me the thing that sucks on a soybean for the, its source of life, then you and I can have a conversation. Okay. But no life is sustained off of sucking on soybean. Right. Right? It can support the body. It can feed the body. It can offer it what it needs culturally in the Asian culture. Mm-hmm. But anything that's been genetically modified or taken from its original source of growth right. and altered so that it can be sustainable in our biodynamic fields offers a very different um, uh, pathology for us, right? right? We, yeah. We'll be influenced differently. Absolutely. Um, however, I believe, again, we're over-consuming even meats today. Abs yes, and that's something... So to argue yeah. meat versus vegan... I can tell you, if you're feeling lousy while you're eating meat, when you make that transition to a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet, you feel great for a period of time mm -hmm. until the conversation begins to lose its intensity. And then it starts looking for what it knows it needs to sustain life. And that's the protein found in meat. Mm -hmm. But instead of that, oftentimes you'll go further down the extreme where you're like, okay, I was vegetarian. Now I'm going vegan. vegan. I'm going to cut this out. Right. And then you have vegans. And then you feel time. great for a little period of time. Right. And then again, eventually, and then it's raw versus versus cooked, right? There's a the raw food yeah. diet. And again, all of these things are foods, all of the uh, fads, all of these are diets, all of these are recommendations that they've done over the period of time. Mm -hmm. But there are foundational principles that are necessary to sustain life. Right. And protein is one of them. Not the overconsumption. Look, a 16-ounce steak is not good for anyone. <laughs> I don't care, right. right? Yeah. But if you're taking a 16-ounce steak and you're cutting it down into a 3-ounce proportion, your body metabolically will benefit from a 3-ounce steak as opposed to a large bowl of vegan foods that majority of them are processed mm -hmm. because they're not from their original sourcing. Right. right. It's not like I can go and, and, and pick up all of the ingredients of some of the things that are found in those foods. And right. now you're getting processed foods that are keto-friendly. You're getting processed foods that are paleo-friendly. Gluten-free. Gluten-free. Yeah. But they're processed foods. Yeah, absolutely. They're not real foods. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't go to a tree and pluck it and eat it, right? It's in a packaged form. Right. And so I, I'm a huge fan of going the farther it is from its sourcing the more dangerous it is for the host itself. Mm -hmm. So, um, and most vegans and vegetarians have to eat a lot of food over the course of the day. Right. Their so blood sugars are destroyed. Right, absolutely. So it's kind of that all day long. They're consuming. all day long, yeah. Or they're juicing. And we were not designed to drink our foods. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't have teeth. Or hydrochloric acid. 
or you know many other things many other things <laughs> yeah. right but yeah. i mean it, it dino there were dinosaurs that had flat teeth that were all plant-based mm-hmm. they they hosted historic history in a very different way yeah but your meat eaters were the ones that were like you know forging great grounds and that was the t-rex yeah i mean you know let's we could either have the I, sometimes I tell people that are vegans or vegetarians, if you look really closely, they begin to look like the plants that they eat. Mm-hmm. They do. They yeah. do. I mean, they lose muscle tone. They have no internalized strength. They begin, even emotionally, become very difficult to handle emotional stresses being placed on them. I'm not being critical. I'm just being what I've noticed in 17 years. Right. And and those who are sustained, you know, there are turkeys, there are chickens, and then there are, are jer- you know, turkeys. turkeys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... A lot of dialogue there, a lot of good information. What would be your kind of closing to wrap this all up in a nice pretty bow and hand it to a client or hand it to somebody who is like, I don't know what to eat or (laughs) how about this? So I'm a huge fan. If if you're unsure of what to eat, start with one meal a day, just one meal a day. And make the decision that you're going to eat one meal a day and give five to seven hours on both sides of that meal. Mm-hmm. So not just in terms that you're not saying do the, like the one meal a day thing, right. but to choose a meal. Let's say it's your, your lunch meal. And yeah. I say, I'm going to wait five hours until I eat dinner. Eat, correct. Okay. And, and I'm going to wait five hours after I eat my breakfast before I have that lunch meal. Okay. And you will find that you actually... Um, are sustaining a lot more, that you've got a lot more energy, a lot more focus, a lot more, um, uh, your bowel movements will regulate themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also a huge fan, huge fan of an apple a day. Yeah. Apple a day. It really does. It really does. It keeps the doctor away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. just does. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And it keeps the bile thin. It makes the liver gallbladder happy. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got miles of bile ducts that can get backed up with emotional stress, physical stress. Um, and yeah. that apple just really does take a lot of anger out of the liver. Mm. And then we become nicer people. That's why we're so awesome. <laughs> we eat an apple a day. An apple a day. All right. Um, any any other last, like, tips or things like that you'd like to share or... <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I, I think we have to. I think we have to be very aware of our climate today. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be very aware of our physical climate, not climate change, because that's a conversation for another time. But I'm talking about physical climate, mean, meaning the people we surround ourselves mm-hmm. with. I think we have to be very conscientious of our emotional climate, how right. we're responding to the people people around us, right? Yeah. Um, How we're viewing our food. Is our our food fuel that is sourcing us to be able to move our stories forward in a way that's honoring to what God is asking of us? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when we think about that, then we can find ourselves in a place where we can then confront the big question, and that's where are we at spiritually? Mm. So many people try to jump ahead and go, full bore into the spiritual world but they're they're so imbalanced in some of the other yeah. areas so many things like, like stories in the in the bible jesus fed people first he, he fed he, them first he clothed them he fed them he gave them water and then he gave them the, the word. word so we can't just jump into the. we cannot yeah and i'm a huge fan of 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 always saying start there mm-hmm. you know the, the spiritual world is the higher level of healing 
and and it is vitally important but there is physical you know there is the 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 energetic and then there is the you know mental bodies that need to be addressed first in order for us to find that state that state of where we are quiet enough mm -hmm. internally to be able to go before the throne and hear what the lord has to say so awesome. um i believe that if we cut off the chatter and and the chaos that that is out there we can get back to really the way God intended us to be um, fueling our systems. Right. And we will not overburden our digestive system and we'll be more readily available for his service. Awesome. That's my my big takeaway. Yeah, that's a great way to wrap this all up. So thank you for joining us on hey. Come Draw from the Well. Cynthia will be joining us again and we're going to be having lots of dialogues. We already touched on some of the things and alluded to what we're going to be yeah. talking about. Um, but tune in for our next episode of Come Draw from the Well. Yeah, for sure. Right. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Take care, guys.